Howdy everybody, Dr. Andy Woods here. Today is March the 1st, 2024. I'm back with my friend, colleague, fellow elder associate pastor, Dr. Jim McGowan, and we have a prophecy update for you today. Um, if you look there on the screen, you can see the outline of what we're going to try to talk our way through uh, in this particular broadcast. Um, first on the list is Israel. Yes. Uh, Israel being the centerpiece of divine activity in the last days always deserves our first attention. The Gog-Magog alliance is uh, shaping up with complete accuracy, just as God said it would in the last days. Amen. Yes. We have some things to report about the surveillance society and mm -hmm. technology and how it's micromanaging the information that people receive in Europe primarily and ultimately around the world. Uh, you see the United States in decline, exactly like prophecy indicates. You even see people on mainstream media or lamestream media, as sometimes it's called, <laughs> you know, attacking the very principles that make America great. And That's then right. we have a subterfuge within the body of Christ, mm. um, internal Bible studies. I put Bible in quotes. So yeah, so-called in quotes coming from very nefarious sources telling Christians to sit out the next election cycle, mm -hmm. all in the guise of spirituality. And so that's a pretty full uh, uh, set of material for today. So let's go ahead and start with Israel. And one of the things the Bible predicts, and this we call this our super sign of the end times. I mean, yes. the all the other signs kind of orbit around this one. But God said the Jews will be out of their land for a season and they'd come back into their land from worldwide dispersion. And there are certain Bible passages just from memory. Um, Isaiah 11, verse 11, verses 11 and 12. It names the specific countries from the east that the Jews will be regathered from. So some are kind of generic. They're just going to come back from worldwide dispersion. Some are very specific. And one of the more specific ones is something Zechariah prophesied 2,500 years ago. What did, prof what did the prophet Zechariah say concerning this issue? All right, reading as always from the New American Standard 95 update, Zechariah 8, 7, and 8. The Lord of armies says this, Behold, I am going to save my people from the land of the east and from the land of the west, and I will bring them back, and they will live in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and righteousness. Now, God says, I'm going to gather them from the east, and we get that because the east is a lot of these kind of Middle Eastern Islamic type countries that mm -hmm. have persecuted the Jewish people and yeah. we could see their desire to get out of there and go back to somewhere where they're free, back home where they're free. But but Zechariah also says they're going to be regathered from the West. Mm -hmm. Now, traditionally, Jews have been comfortable in the West. Yeah, I'm speaking of places like France, uh, Canada, uh, the United States, you know, the Jewish people in the United States, going back to George Washington, have enjoyed a very wonderful level of freedom. They can yes. worship as they want, not be harassed. And so how, why in the world would the Jewish people leave the West in addition to the East 
and go back to the land of Israel. It's one of those prophecies that's sort of a head scratcher. How is that going to happen? Yeah. Until now. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. <laughs> because um, you give history enough time and it catches up to what God said would happen. Always. And since the events of October the 7th of last year, anti-Semitism has flared up all around the world. Sure has. Including the West. And as a result of that, many, many Jews in a Hebrews in a unprecedented way are now engaging in their Aliyah, the return to Israel. In other words, mm-hmm. Israel is enjoying um, record immigration from the West because of the events of October the 7th. That's right. In fulfillment of the specifics of Zechariah 8, <laughs> verses 7 and yeah. 8, right? Amen. So what is that? We have an article here from the Jerusalem Post, uh, Michael Starr, the author, February 22nd, 2024. It says, Aliyah to Israel rises after wave of anti-Semitism, and it talks about them returning from the West. What does that article say? Immigration to Israel has increased from several countries in response to a wave of anti-Semitism and the October 7 massacre, according to a Sunday immigration ministry report and a Wednesday interview with OFEC Israeli CEO Aryeh Abitol, and Abitol told the Jerusalem Post at the Yael Foundation Conference in Paphros that since October 7, Aliyah from France and incre- had increased rather by 237% wow. and 85% from the United States of America. The Aliyah and Integration Ministry said on Sunday that Jewish agency data showed that since the beginning of the war, there had been a 300% increase in the opening of immigration case files in France, over 100% in the U.S., 150% in Canada, and 40% in the United Kingdom. So here they come from the U.K., Canada, the United States of America, uh, France. Now, France, you know, has been a tough place for the Jews even before October the 7th. Mm-hmm. But all of these other Western, you know, countries, here they're coming back in droves. The rec- records are being broken yeah. because of the events of October the 7th. I'm mm-hmm. sorry to interrupt you. No, no. One more comment here, I think. In France, anti-Semitism was a pushing factor, said Abibol, uh, Ab- Abit Bol, excuse me, with a historical 1,800 acts of anti-Semitism in the country since October 7. So there's push factors and pull factors Goodness. at work. Pull factors is the economy in Israel. Mm. What kind of job can I get? Push factors is we're not we're not at home anymore in these countries. Yeah, you're and, not wanted. And so. Mm. This is this is how God is working right now. God is actually using the events of October the 7th to bring his people back, not just from the east, but from the west, yep. specifically in fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Amen. So even with the horrible events of October the 7th, God has allowed it for a reason. Mm-hmm. And this, this could be one of the great reasons. Wow. <laughs> it's pretty stunning, isn't it? It is. And uh, speaking of... Israel, let's remind ourselves that not of this, not only does prophecy indicate that Israel, the Jewish people would be regathered to their land from the whole world, mm-hmm. but once they're in their land, they become wealthy. 
Yes. The land of Israel would become wealthy. Mm -hmm. Remind us what Ezekiel 38 verse 12 and then verse 13 says. All right. Ezekiel 38 verse 12. To capture spoil and to seize plunder, to turn your hand against the waste places which are now inhabited and against the people who are gathered from the nations who have acquired cattle and goods who live at the center of the world. And Spoil, plunder, cattle, mm -hmm. and goods. This is what motivates the Gog-Magog invasion, yes. which we're going to talk about in a little bit uh, yes. in the end times. And then verse 13. Mm -hmm. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish with all its villages will say to you, have you come to capture spoil? Have you assembled your company to seize plunder, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to capture great spoil? See, Ezekiel predicts this conglomerate of nations would invade because they'd have hooks. God puts hooks in their jaws, yes, uh -huh. drawing them into Israel. And, he, and then the prophecy goes on and tells them what the hooks in the jaw are. Right. It's money yeah. and resources. Mm -hmm. A prophecy that can't be fulfilled unless Israel returns in unbelief and becomes wealthy. Exactly. And so the wealth of Israel is another indicator of how close we are it is to the fulfillment of this uh, prophecy and israel hasn't always been wealthy the land i'm talking that's about that's true this is what mark twain said about the land when he visited there in 1867 and wrote about it in his book innocence abroad 1869 mm -hmm. here's the quote a desolate country whose soil is rich enough but is given over wholly to weeds a silent, mournful expanse. A desolation is here that not even imagination can grace with the pomp of life and action. We never saw a human being on the whole route. There was hardly a tree or a shrub anywhere. Even the olive tree and the cactus, those fast friends of a worthless soil, had almost deserted the country. Worthless soil. Yeah. See, God predicted they would be pushed out of their land and the land would become barren. Mm -hmm. And that's what Mark Twain, uh, 19th century, yeah. is talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, boy, how things have changed. Not <laughs> yes. only have they come back into the land, but they have a now a gross domestic product that outstrips their neighbors. and By far. Mm -hmm. The neighbors are extremely jealous of it. And, exactly. And every, almost every article you read on the subject, Israel is becoming wealthier. Mm -hmm. Notice yep. um, this particular article from The Cradle. It's entitled, Israel to Expand Gas Exports to Egypt, February 19th, 2024. Mm -hmm. What is this article? This is about? a fascinating article. Energy firms partnering to produce natural gas at Israel's Tamar Field announced plans to expand production at the offshore site in the Mediterranean Sea amid an agreement to increase exports to Egypt. Uh, Reuters reported on a, uh, February 18th that U.S.-based oil major Chevron said the move was, uh, will increase Tamar's production capacity to up to 1.6 billion cubic feet per day from the 1 billion cubic feet. 
This quotes, re quoting, reflects Chevron's ongoing commitment to partnering with the state of Israel to continue development of its energy resources for the benefit of domestic and regional natural gas markets, said Jeff Ewing, managing director of Chevron's Eastern Mediterranean Business Unit. The second phase, Chevron said, includes reinstatement of the existing compressors at the onshore terminal in the city of Ashdod. Quoting, both phases of the Tamar expansion are scheduled for completion in 2025, it said. Tamar Petroleum, another partner in the project, said in a regulatory filing, the new investment is for about $24 million. The Tamar field is a significant energy source for Israel and also supplies Egypt and Jordan. Both Egypt and Jordan suffered uh, since the October 7th war from energy shortages as a result. And the partners of the Tamar field also announced that gas exports to Egypt are expected to increase in the coming years by an additional 4 billion cubic meters compared to the 2 billion cubic meters Israel currently supplies. So this is interesting prophetically on, on two accounts. It's increasing Israel's wealth because mm -hmm. it talks here about an increase in natural gas production and names the Tamar Field, uh, Mediterranean Sea, you know, all of the Ashdod, all of these places in and around Israel yeah. um, where this type of thing uh, will transpire. But it also mentions that now Israel is exporting these these things to Egypt. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, Egypt is a big deal prophetically because when Israel became a nation again in 1948 and then had her subsequent wars, 67, 73, the biggest troublemaker for them was Egypt. That's right. Uh, but we knew things had to change because in the Gog-Magog invasion, you don't have Egypt as a player. That's right. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have Jordan as a player. Those are the areas that are immediately adjacent to Israel. The, the, the players that you have in the Gog-Magog invasion are Turkey and Iran, mm -hmm. which at that time in the 1970s were friends of Israel. <laughs> That's true. So everything had to be flipped. Yeah. You know, the enemies had to become friends and the friends had to become enemies. Uh, Egypt had to acquiesce, which she has. She has a peace treaty with Israel now, as does Jordan. Yeah. And the friends back in the, uh, you know, 1948, 1967, 1973 had to become the enemies. And that's yeah. exactly what's happened with um, uh, 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 Iran and Turkey. Yep. So prophecy writer Don Stewart explains this. The map was not right in the 1970s, but today the map is right. What does he say here? <laughs> All right, quoting. However, in the 1970s, there was a problem. <laughs> Egypt had been involved in every war with Israel in 1948, 1967, 1973. In fact, Egypt was the driving force in each of the three wars with Israel. On the other hand, Iran was Israel's best friend in the Middle East. Their resupplying of Israel was crucial to the nation's survival in the 1973 Yom Kippur War. 
Turkey, who will be part of the invading force, is a member of NATO. At that time, they were Muslim in name only. It was the place where Israelis would take their vacations. They were a friend of Israel. The point is that our prophecy charts of who would be aligned with whom at the time of the end were completely opposite of what was happening in the world at that time. The predicted bad guys at the time of the end, Iran and Turkey, were the good guys. (laughs) Egypt, who will not be involved in this invasion, was the main nation that continually attacked Israel. We knew that sooner or later this would change. In 1979, Egypt, in the Camp David Accords, made peace with Israel. They have had peaceful relations since then. No more wars. In 1979, the Shah of Iran was overthrown. And then replaced by the uh, Ayatollah. Yes. And the Islamizing uh, of uh, Iran. Yep. So Don Stewart's point is the map wasn't, I mean, you had a reborn Israel. Mm-hmm. But Ezekiel 38 and 39 really didn't make any sense at that point because Egypt is the enemy and Iran and Turkey are the good guys. So yeah. something had to flip. And that's, that's exactly what's happened over the course of time. Egypt amazing. has entered into the peace treaty with Israel. And Iran and Turkey have, through Islamization, have become the enemies of yeah. Israel. Yeah. And what I'm trying to <laughs> communicate is this latest natural gas uh, move and exports mm-hmm. to Egypt solidifies Egypt as a friend. It does. I mean, why in the world would Egypt want to invade Israel when she's economically and financially benefiting from Israel? Exactly right. So we're really living in uh, just mind-numbing times where the exact prophetic details of God's word are <laughs> coming sharply into focus. Yeah, it kind of makes, it kind of reminds me, what is it, Psalm 2 that talks about God sits in the heaven and <laughs> yeah, laughs right. at the nations? Yeah, you get the feeling that God mm. has everything I think he knows out. what he's doing. Yeah. Well, with that being said, that's a very nice segue into the Gog Magog, which is our second bullet point invasion. Um, I do have a book out called The Middle East Meltdown that you can see there on the screen. Uh, I'm going to make some comments about Persia and Russia because they are uh, Persia and Rosh. Uh, Iran and Russia, they are central players in this end time invasion. Yes, According to Ezekiel 38 and 39, uh, which was given t- uh, as a prophecy 2,600 years ago. <laughs> wow. And if you're looking for documentation as to why Persia equals Iran and why Rosh of Ezekiel 38 and 39 equals Russia, I mean, I would send you to my book where I think it's it's pretty well demonstrated yeah. that we can identify who these uh, players are. So you'll notice the map here. We've got Persia or Iran circled. And Iran, folks, um, has crossed the line. Mm. Uh, Notice this article from Memory. Uh, I believe that stands for Middle East Media Research Institute. February 14th, 2024. What does that just brief headline say there? All right. Former Iranian nuclear chief Ali Akbar Salehi 
Iran has crossed all scientific and technological thresholds necessary for producing a nuclear bomb. So we're, we're going to have an uh, atomic ayatollah yeah. or a nuclear ayatollah. It's not a matter of if, mm -hmm. it's a matter of when. According to this memory article, there is no technological or scientific barrier in place stopping Iran's pathway in, into a nuclear weapon. Well, that tells you they've crossed that threshold. They've crossed it. They're there. Yeah, and here's an expert in the field, um, uh, a former uh, Iranian nuclear chief mm. telling us this. Wow. Um, surprising, not to me, because the Bible 2,600 years ago predicts Iran's aggressive mm -hmm. nature into Israel in the last days. And... Uh, here is a, another article, this one from uh, Israel National News, and it's an IAEA report. It says February 27th, 2024, Iran has further increased its stockpile of uranium, and it's actually been very successful in barring uh, inspectors <laughs> yeah. who want Iran to behave yeah. herself and agree to the former deal where she said she wouldn't go nuclear. Yeah. So what does this article say? Yes, I think, what is it, Takiyah is that place here? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Remind our audience well, what Takiyah that is. Takiyah is uh, the Islamic um, principle that you can lie uh, to you know, promote the cause of Islam. Yeah. In a nutshell. That's exactly yeah. right. Well, here's the article, folks. See what you think. Iran has further increased its total stockpile of uranium, a new report by the UN nuclear watchdog seen by the Associated Press on Monday said. The report also noted that uh, Iran continues to bar the agency's most seasoned inspectors from monitoring its nuclear program. The International Atomic Energy Agency also said in a second confidential report distributed to member states that Tehran made no progress in explaining the presence of man-made uranium particles found at two locations, according to AP. The increase came soon after Tehran barred a third of the IAEA's core inspections team, including the most experienced, from taking part in agreed monitoring of the enrichment process. And then the article concludes with the latest IAEA reports come several days after the agency's director general, Rafael Grassi, said that Iran continues to enrich uranium well beyond the needs for commercial nuclear use, despite UN pressure to stop it. He has also pointed out concerns over the fact that senior officials in Iran have recently said they have all the elements for a nuclear weapon. So not only are they moving towards a nuclear weapon, and I hope people understand what, what that means. I mean, you're dealing with Iran, a Shiite Islamic theocracy mm -hmm. who, who believes that they can hasten Yes. Uh, what is it? The 12th Imam? I get them all confused. Yeah, I believe that's correct. Uh, to the earth through the creation of confusion and chaos. Yeah. And you're going to let those kind of people get their hands on nukes? 
It's very different than the mutual assured destruction days oh, where yeah. the premise mm -hmm. was two nations have nukes, United States and America. Uh, I'm sorry, United States and Russia. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And both are operating rationally, right. meaning mutually assured destruction. You launch your nukes towards us and we're going to take you out. It's called mutually assured destruction. You don't have that anymore in the world. Right. You have a situation where regimes like this are about ready to join the nuclear club. Yeah. And this idea of rationality, we don't care if you take us out because we just go, you know, into heaven and we have all of the, how many virgins? I have 72 virgins 70, waiting for 72 me. 72 virgins waiting for me. So the all the rules of the game have changed. And you have now Iran, according to these reports, moving towards a nuclear weapon and any attempt of the United Nations inspectors to see what they're doing or slow them down, they're being barred or, mm -hmm. or stopped so they can't even uh, ascertain the progress that's being made. Right. So we're living in a world that is about to rapidly destabilize. And, you know, if I didn't know Jesus personally, that he has everything under control, I would be an absolute nervous basket case. And this is why prophecy is so important, because it reminds us that God has a plan has a program, and has everything under control. And you want to be a part of that plan. Absolutely. And we're right? going to give people mm -hmm. a chance to participate in it um, by giving them a chance to trust Christ as Savior. Amen. But this concept of a belligerent, bellicose, you know, aggressive Iran, uh, is that surprising? No, because... No. Ezekiel said this would happen. She, along with Russia, would be one of the great invaders in Ezekiel 38 yeah. and 39. So we have, just to demonstrate Iran's... If, if this wasn't uh, enough, yeah, here's more, right? To demonstrate Iran's global aspirations, this comes from the Gateway Pundit, uh, Anthony Scott, February 15th, 2024. It says, bizarre. <laughs> Iran declares ownership of Antarctica and plans to build a military base in the South Pole. What's going on here? Well, I have to just say, you know, <laughs> you just mentioned the fact that, you know, you've got these crazies with their finger on the nuclear button. I mean, this just is even, just adds to that, you know, they're, they're claiming Antarctica now. Here, here's the article, folks. Iran's top Navy commander announced that Iran owns Antarctica and the regime plans to build a military base in the South Pole. In a broadcast last fall, Iranian Navy Commander Rear Admiral Sharam Irani stated, quote, We have property rights in the South Pole. We have a plan to raise our flag there and carry out military and scientific work, close quote. Iran's declaration of ownership of Antarctica came around the same time that the Biden administration decided to unfreeze $6 billion in Iranian funds that were being held in Qatar. It's unclear if Iran's statement was just a blanket threat, considering their action of claiming ownership of Antarctica violates the Antarctic Treaty, which came into force in 1961. Iran's Navy uh, naval, sa na naval saber rattling is drawing new attention in response to the Iranian-backed militias that murdered three U.S. soldiers in Jordan last month. So Iran, in addition to 
being deceptive and on the precipice of achieving her nuclear ambitions is now saber rattling throughout the world. Yep. Claiming jurisdiction of Antarctica. Yeah. Uh, wanting to build a military base in the South Pole. I mean, that's just unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, I want a guy like that with his <laughs> finger on the nuclear weapons. Yeah. But I think this harmonizes with what God said would happen in the I end agree. times. Now, notice this map again. This time around, we have Rosh or Russia circled. She's coming, according to Ezekiel's prophecy, from the far north to invade Israel. And um, consequently, we have this article from Newsmax. Russia invites Palestinian factions to meet mm. February the 26th. So this is very recent. And um, what's, what's happening here, according mm. to this Newsmax article? Russia has invited Palestinian factions to meet in Moscow on February 26th, the Palestinian Authority Prime Minister said Sunday, adding the PA was ready to engage with Hamas. Quote, Russia has invited all Palestinian factions who will be meeting on the 26th of this month in Moscow. It goes on to say, uh, leaders of the Palestinian Islamic factions have repeatedly visited Moscow, which maintains good relations with Hamas. And then this individual, Shtaye, says, they need to come to our political agenda. <laughs> our ground is very clear. Two states on the borders of 1967 through peaceful means, he said. The Palestinians need to be under one umbrella. Hey, here's Russia. Mm. We need to have a Palestinian state, the two-state solution, which of course will take Israel's width and reduce it to less than 10 miles mm -hmm. and make Israel vulnerable. So Russia says we need to have the two-state solution and we need to get all these Palestinian groups on the same page. So come on out to Moscow mm -hmm. and, and we'll get everybody on the same page yeah. so yeah. we can impose this two-state yeah. solution to make Israel defenseless, which will make our invasion from the north, the remote north, all the more easy. Right. I mean, that's my reading of this. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> and yeah. so that in and of itself is fitting in with a Russian invasion ultimately of Israel mm -hmm. Amen. in the end times. And let's put our map up one more time. Uh, here we have Rosh and Persia uh, both circled. So hopefully we can find that map where we've got Russia. There it is, Russia and Rosh uh, and Persia both circled. Russia and Iran circled. See, we've made comments mm -hmm. about Iran. Yeah. We've made comments about Russia. Mm-hmm. What about the cooperation between the two? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, do we realize that Russia and Iran are cooperating with each other as has never existed in human history? Right. Um, right. In other words, Ezekiel saw those two coming against Israel. Don Stewart pointed out that that arrangement made no sense in the 1970s. Makes perfect sense now. And for them to come against Israel, it stands to reason that the two would cooperate with each other. Mm. And so the two are not only postured against Israel, just like God said, but they're working in harmony with each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, this is absolutely unprecedented. So, Pastor, please. You know, you know, when Ezekiel made this prophecy, <laughs> there was no such thing as a Russia. Yeah, there was no such thing as Russia and Persia. Isn't that interesting? Persia was a good guy. Yeah, that's right. Because they let the Jews <laughs> out of the captivity. 
which was on Ezekiel's horizon there. That's very true. Um, Ezekiel probably thought he was crazy seeing these types. <laughs> Everybody else thought he was, right? <laughs> yeah, they sure did. Hmm. But here's this article from uh, Reuters, February the 21st, 2024, by Jonathan uh, Landy, I think is how you pronounce that. It says, exclusive, Iran sends Russia hundreds of ballistic mm, missiles. Mm, What's mm. happening here? Uh, this is a very lengthy article. We're just going to read a little bit of it, but you'll be sure you want to get the notes. Here it is. Iran has provided Russia with a large number of powerful surface-to-surface -surface ballistic missiles. goes on to say, Iran's hardline critical uh, clerical rulers, rather, have steadily sought to deepen ties with Russia and China betting that would help Tehran to resist U.S. sanctions and to end its political isolation. And then an analyst named Gregory Brew at Eurasia Group, uh, a political risk con consultancy, said Russia is an ally of convenience for Iran. Quoting, the relationship is transactional. In exchange for drones, Iran expects more security cooperation and advanced weaponry, uh, particularly modern aircraft, he said. And he goes on. I think that's it. I think that's, that's it. the yeah. end. But, that's the, it. you know, there's a lot more we could read from that article, Pages. As, as you indicated. But the alliance between the two countries is there. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting. The, the alliance is there, and it's alliance over weaponry. Yeah. So... I don't know, <laughs> you know, we're not date setters, um, but I do wonder how much more stage setting do you really have to have uh, before this fulfillment of this prophecy happens, yeah. which to me indicates that the rapture of the church, you know, is right around the corner. Very it's, true. It's it's an eminent event. Uh, well, and always has been, but always, even more so now, right? It's always, it always has <laughs> been. But uh, I don't think any other generation, you know, has seen You're right. the confluence of signs, You're right. you know, mm -hmm. that, we're, that we're seeing. Yep. So with all of that being said, um, let's, uh, let's go to our third area here. And this has to do with another prophetic theme, the surveillance mm -hmm. society. Yeah. Uh, remind us what the very famous or infamous Mark of the Beast passage says there in Revelation 13, 16 through 18. All right, Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 through 18. And he causes all, the small and the great, and the rich and the poor, and the freemen and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. Now, there's a lot of different angles we could take on this, but I would say at bare minimum what that prophecy indicates is let Watch for technology to develop to the to the point where mm -hmm. it 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 has a total control over the masses. Right, and I think we're we're there. <laughs> um, yeah. Here's this article yeah. from the EuropeanConservative.com. Thomas O'Reilly, February the nineteenth, twenty twenty four. Small Irish. Mm -hmm. Now notice small. Mm -hmm. The power is wielded by a group of people that's very minuscule yep. compared to the masses they're controlling. 
small Irish regulatory authority to enforce the European Union's Digital Services Act mm. for 450 million Europeans. Mm. All right. The Digital Services Act, the EU's new legislative framework to regulate online platforms, came into full force on Saturday, putting the European Commission's small Irish partner in charge of handling most of the regulatory caseload for the entire bloc. A statement distributed on behalf of Commission na Meo, or in other words, Media Commission, described how the organization would, quote, empower people and civil society groups to hold platforms to account for dealing with illegal content, close quote, with the introduction of the DSA. It, quote, looks forward to working on digital moder uh, moderation with the European Commission. This media commission has been granted unprecedented powers to censor online content for 450 million EU citizens from Saturday, February 17th, as the DSA comes into full effect. The Dublin-based body is seen by many as Europe's nerve center for monitoring and removing allegedly hateful content ahead of a busy election cycle. The presence of most major digital platforms in Dublin means the 75-person office will effectively become the chief EU moderator for platforms such as Facebook, X, formerly Twitter, and TikTok, deciding which content to remove. The DSA came into full effect, effect on Saturday, February 17th, and will impose fines wow. worth uh, up to 6% of a company's annual income combined with the possibility of prosecution for companies who defy the edict of regulatory bodies such as the media commission the dsa or rather as if saying the quiet part out loud just this week irish mep barry andrews suggested the act as a potential replacement for fiercely contested hate speech legislation which formally targets the far right european politicians have already attacked the political intent of the dsa with Tucker Carlson's Vladimir Putin interview becoming an early target. Many right-wing populists are concerned that the primary aim of the DSA is to undermine them in the guise of fighting so-called disinformation. All right, well, just for the sake of time, we'll stop there. But this is something that's now coming into existence, controlling in Europe, by, by a bunch of people you don't even know in some smoky back room somewhere. 75 people, right? Yeah, controlling, <laughs> concerning 450 million people, yeah. what they can see mm -hmm. on all of their social media type devices mm -hmm. and what they can post, all in the name of regulating hate. Oh, and by the way, we're going to do it just before the next election cycle. Oh, imagine that. Yeah. And also, by the way, um, we're giving this body power to 
prosecute. That's that's a uh, crime. Yeah, that's a crime. <clears throat> uh, people that yeah. that step out of line. Now, the part of the article that we didn't read is this is the brainchild of an activist named Sonia Cahill. Mm-hmm. And when you look into her background, she is one of the most radical yes. leftist extremist. I, I like this. She describes herself as a feminist and a rabble rouser. <laughs> yeah. Let's put her in charge of 450 million people. Yeah. Um, so she's, you know, one of the most <laughs> radical people um, that you could ever think of coming up with this kind of thing and be get, being given influence. The end of the article says it's troubling that activists who can't get elected by appealing directly to the electorate <laughs> will play a major role in regulating the debate during a major European election year. So it's it's pretty simple. Um, wow. and Marxists understand what it takes to control people, control yeah. their traveling, control their food, control their information. Yep. I mean, if you control those three things, there's really not much left to regulate. You've got the masses under control. This is coming together in Europe. I find that very interesting because we believe in a uh, Eurocentric antichrist. Yes. And this is the kind of thing that he would use to bring in the mark of the beast system. Sure. And um, obviously it's something that's just beta tested. Once it's rolled out in Europe, they're going to roll it out everywhere, Mm. even right here in the late great United States of America. And so all of these technological influences, innovations that we now have, and we don't think technology is inherently evil. It just depends on what it's used for. Right. Are being used to to push us perpetually in the direction of tyranny. And you notice, Brother Jim, it never goes the opposite way. We Mm -hmm. never move from tyranny back to liberty and freedom. No. It's always one step after another designed to take away our freedoms. And so... We don't think this is the mark of the beast system, but it's certainly setting the stage for absolutely. what could be the mark of absolutely the beast system right, right yeah. around the corner. Would you add anything to uh, that? I, I absolutely agree. Hey, it all worked for China, so let's do it in, the, in Europe too. Yeah, we just can't. We just got to use a different name for it. Right. We won't call it social credit score. We'll no, come up with no. another fancy <laughs> name for it. Um, let's go hmm. here for the sake of time to number four. Fourth prophetic concept is the... Um, decline of the United States of America, which we don't say with any gladness in our hearts. No. It makes us sad to even talk about it. Yeah. But if we can put up our map uh, one more time, you'll notice all of the different players in the end times, America uh, is not mentioned. That's true. So the issue becomes what happened to mm-hmm. America? Well, what happened yeah. to America is Americans prior to the events of the tribulation as a potential scenario, got involved with attacking everything that made the country great to begin with. That's right. I mean, every single basic concept or principle that made America great to begin with is under perpetual assault. People are talking about MAGA, make America great again, which is fine. But what made it great to begin with? Uh, the the founding fathers of this republic had a, had a had a, a cooking uh, 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 recipe. Yeah, and they gave they told us what the recipe was. Yep. It's, it's not it's not hard to to discover. So Proverbs fourteen, I think it's verse thirty four. It, it says righteousness exalts a nation, 
as long as there's a Judeo-Christian foundation, America is fine. But once you get rid of that, America starts to decline. We we really recommend that people watch, and it's available now on the Sugarland Bible Church website and YouTube channel, the sermon that Dr. David Reagan gave mm, at yes. the conclusion mm-hmm. of our conference on Sunday Very morning, eye-opening. Um, entitled America's Destiny. I mean, if you want to know what's wrong with America that it's not a Republican problem or a Democrat problem. It's not a political problem, but it's a spiritual problem. That's right. You know, we highly recommend that presentation Mm -hmm. uh, to folks. But virtually, and he talks about virtually every concept that made America great is under perpetual assault, including righteousness. And the latest uh, tragedy in this whole thing has been brought out now by a Fox News article the title of it is Reporter Lashes Out After Blowback. And thank goodness she received blowback for this. Blowback for claiming Christian nationalists believe rights come from God. And she's basically calling out people as radicals and extremists and as potential domestic terrorists yep. for what? <clears throat> for her? For our belief... <clears throat> that our rights do not come from the Congress. They do not come from the Supreme Court. They come from God himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is just another example of, of, of a perpetual attack mm. against the roots of our, of our country. And this becomes one of the reasons why the United States of America most likely is not mentioned in the pages of Bible prophecy. Yeah. But help us with that article. All right. Appearing on MSNBC Thursday, political national investigative correspondent Heidi Prisbella was asked about the, quote, infusion of Christian nationalism, quote, close quote, in Congress following the appointment of Louisiana representative and devout Christian Mike Johnson as House Speaker, quoting, the base of the Republican Party has shifted right, uh, Prisbella said. She goes on. The thing that unites them as Christian nationalists, not Christians, by the way, because Christian nationalists is very different, is that they believe that our rights as Americans, as all human beings, don't come from any earthly authority. They don't come from Congress. They don't come from the Supreme Court. They come from God. The problem with that is that they are determining man, men, it is men are determining what God is telling them, Presbella said. A portion of Presbella's comments, especially the ones talking about how Christian nationalists believe rights come from God, not government, went viral on Friday with many critics accusing her of attacking Christians and being ignorant of basic American civics. (laughs) Hello. Yeah. The Declaration of Independence cites, quote, the laws of nature and of nature's God, close quote, and says, quoting, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, close quote. The historical illiteracy of her comments is stunning, Fox News contributor Mark Thiessen added. 
quoting, imagine going on TV and being this ignorant while having this level of self-assurance, New York Post columnist Carol Markowitz reacted. Now, her statements were so egregious, it's hard to believe she actually it's said it. So we have um, a short video that we're going to play here showing her saying this. Now, we're not making it up. Yeah. So let's run that video at this time if we can. Unites could. all of them because there's many different groups orbiting Trump. But the thing that unites them as Christian nationalists, not Christians, by the way, because Christian nationalists is very different, mm -hmm. is that they believe that our rights as Americans, as all human beings, don't come from any earthly authority. They don't come from Congress. They don't come from the Supreme Court. They come from God. So you... <laughs> You have someone saying to believe as an American that your rights come from God, you're part of some extreme, uh, she references the NAR, you're, you're part of some extreme national apostolic Trump at all costs, mm -hmm. domestic terrorist, yeah. a Christian nationalist, radical type perspective. Um, I have news for her. This is not a Christian nationalist perspective this is an american issue amen this brother. is what the country was based on that's right it doesn't matter whether you're christian she keeps bringing up christian <laughs> as if she has any authority or understanding you know to comment on christianity this is not a christian issue this is an american issue this is something that all americans enjoy by virtue of the fact that they live in America. That's right. And and to not understand that is to misunderstand, what do they call it here? Civics 101. <laughs> yeah. You know, the yeah. absolute basics of the United States of America. Now, how can I talk like this? It's just a matter of reading the Declaration of Independence. America's birth certificate. We have on the screen there a few key clauses, but remind us uh, what... what what the Declaration of Independence, by the way, sometimes called the Declaration of Dependence mm. because of our dependence upon God. Yeah. Remind us of what the Declaration of Independence written by Thomas Jefferson, 1776, America's birth certificate says. All right, just a few of the points, folks. The laws of nature and of nature's God. Notice it says nature's God, uh, Gaia, get in line. <laughs> we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions. And finally, with firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. I mean, the key key one, they're all key, but the one that jumps out to me is they, that's all Americans, mm -hmm. are endowed with their by their creator. Yes. And by the way, creator there is capitalized. Yes. With certain unalienable rights. So as an American, we our rights don't come from the Supreme Court. They don't come from the Congress. They don't come from the president. They come from God. Amen. And the purpose of the Congress and the United States Supreme Court and the presidency and all levels of government is to not grant these rights, but to protect our pre-existing rights yep. that are given to us from God. Amen. And, and she goes on the air and she wants to talk about how this is some kind of extreme right 
Christian nationalist mindset. This is an American mindset. Yep. Uh, remind us what John Adams, the second president of the United States, who might know something about things like this. That's a great quote. Said. What does he say here? John Adams said this, folks. Rights are antecedent to all earthly government. Rights cannot be repealed or restrained by human laws. Rights are derived from the great legislature of the universe. So rights Amen. are antecedent to the Supreme Court. Amen. And this particular commentator um, demonstrates tremendous historical illiteracy. But unfortunately, mm. this is the new normal. Yeah. Y you just attack everything that the country is based upon, and eventually you lose your American exceptionalism. America declines, becomes just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why America is not mentioned uh, in the end times scenario. By the way, Good point. one of our uh, presenters at our conference that we just had was Russ Miller. And in his book, Cost, as he's defending creationism against evolutionary dogma, he has a whole chapter in there about why this matters legally and politically. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the Marxists can't take away your rights that we all understand come from God unless you destroy the concept of God because yep. everything came about naturally That's and right. spontaneously yep. without the creative hand of God at all. So whatever you're doing with the creation evolution debate has political and legal ramifications. Sure does. It? Yeah. Sure does. All right. Well, with that being said, let's move to our final area, which is uh, apostasy. One of the great predictions of scripture is that the church, as we got closer to the end of the age, would kind of run off the rails. That's right. And what does 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4 say? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Now, we have this article from AFN.net. The article is written by Parrish Alford, February the 22nd, 2024. The title of it is Follow the Money. Hmm. Left-wing donors financed Bible study, and I would have to put Bible there in quotes because it's yeah. not a real Bible study, mm -hmm. urging the church to stay out of politics. Now, we, we teach here that, you know, <clears throat> politics is not our salvation, but mm -hmm. Christians should be involved in it just like they really should be involved in any area of life. And we would call that salt and light. Yes. And stewardship. The left doesn't want people taking their Christian worldview into the political arena, let alone the voting booth. Right. So they have produced a Bible study <laughs> telling Christians that the spiritual thing to do is to stay out of politics. Now, <clears throat> what's so interesting is the people that produce this are some of the most leftist political people you can imagine. Yeah. And um, beyond that, follow the money. Mm -hmm. This whole Bible study comes from foundations uh, that are anti-God at their core. That's right. So, so what's happened is a Trojan horse has been introduced into the body of Christ to try to convince Christians that, uh, hey, let's stay out of uh, civic affairs. Because, you know, being involved in civic affairs is really, 
you know, that's not something we should be doing anyway. Mm-hmm. And the left says, if we can, if we can get that thinking in enough minds of the body of Christ, then that will give us permission to come in and take over. Yeah. So what's going on here with this article? I, I, I like the, your use of <laughs> Trojan horse here. Yeah. Yeah. All right, folks, here it is. Megan Basham, a Daily Wire reporter, recently had her curiosity piqued when reading a new Tim Alberta book about religion. Flipping through the pages, she discovered a Bible study entitled The After Party Toward Better Christian Politics, which is praised in the evangelical bashing book. That forthcoming Bible study was created by New York Times columnist David French, Russell Moore of Christianity Today, and Duke Divinity professor Curtis Chang, quoting, Secular news outlets from NPR to the New York Times are hailing Tim Alberta's new book, The Kingdom, the Power, and the Glory, for furthering the popular thesis that evangelicals have abandoned themselves to political idolatry, close quote. Basham wrote recently, quoting, By political idolatry, they mean political conservatism. As neither Alberta's book nor the many prestige outlets uh, in thrusting over it, uh, or in, excuse me, enthused over it, have a word of criticism for Christians who advance left-wing causes, she pointed out. In their Bible study, the trio of French, Moore, and Chang joined forces to plead with Christians, quote, how to be less politically divisive, Basham explained. She went on to say that she found it an odd strategy to take a politically-themed Bible study into churches if the goal is to depoliticize the church. So when things look a bit odd, good journalists dig. In the book, Alberta said that French, Moore, and Chang were unable to secure funding from Christians to produce the Bible study. So the study moved ahead with quote, mostly progressive secular funders, close quote. Alberta wrote, quoting, I went, okay, hang on a minute, who are these secular uh, funders? Basham said, one is Rockefeller Philanthropy Advisors. They give money to things like furthering abortion, furthering gender indoctrinization, and the mutilization of children. And they're funding the, this political Bible study to come into churches and college campuses, close quote. Basham warned. Another source of funding is the Hewlett Foundation, the second largest private donor to abortion uh, giant Planned Parenthood, Basham said. She also says, quote, the party after has a promotional partnership with One America Movement. You check their board, and the people on their board include a female LGBTQ affirming rabbi, the supposed Christian on the board, a man who founded the Black Lives Matter chapter of Greater New York, has called Jesus a black radical revolutionary and defends rioting as self-defense. Funding aside, the three faces of the Bible study should be enough to raise eyebrows, Basham said. 
by now most people are familiar with Trump hating Moore and French. They were criticized by evangelicals and embraced and rewarded by the far left for running from Trump in 2016. As far as the lesser-known Chang, Basham says he has jumped into politics too. The co-author of The After Party Bible Study amazingly opposed California's recall election of Governor Gavin Newsom. He called it a, quote, wasteful perversion of democracy, close quote. Chang also co-founded a website called Christians and the Vaccine, which urged the church to roll up a sleeve for the experimental shot, quoting, the pathway to ending the pandemic runs through the evangelical church, close quote. Chang, who is supposedly averse to politics, told a U.S. Senate committee in 2021. Quoting again, I don't think anyone looks and says, here are the guys to tone down political rhetoric in the church. Bash included. All right, number one, this so-called book and Bible study accuses Christians like ourselves who talk about voting and bringing our biblical values with us to the, the voting booth of idolatry. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's kind of interesting that that same charge is not made against leftist progressive churches that preach uh, social justice, right. uh, creation care, universal health care, uh, climate change. How, how, how come they're not idolatrous? How come it's only the conservative people that are idolatrous? Secondly, the book says if you have a set biblical framework that you use in the political arena, pro-life, limited government, Second Amendment, they say you're divisive. Mm-hmm. Yet these people that put this together are some of the most divisive people <laughs> ever in yeah. terms of their leftism yeah. and progressivism. Uh, third, they couldn't get the funding they needed, <laughs> so they turned to these foundations. Uh, and these foundations that funded this Bible study, remember, folks, Satan quotes the Bible, too. That's true. So the issue is who's quoting it in context. But these foundations that you know, promoted this are anti-God, pro-abortion, eugenics, yep. uh, et cetera, to the core. Um, number four, when you look at these authors, forget the foundations, but just look at the authors, not only are they divisive, but they're extremely uh, progressive political people. David French uh, is an anti-Trumper. Mm -hmm. uh, Moore Russell Moore, basically what he is, is a, he's a liberation theologian. He's trying mm. to mix the principles of Marxism, yeah. kind of like what Jim Wallace is doing, yeah. uh, with the principles of the Bible, which to our minds is kind of like trying to mix oil and water together. <laughs> That's the truth. And then it mentions this guy Chang at, at Duke Divinity School. Who just has a, a, a long paper trail of, you know, left wing political activism. So consider the source, folks, when you're at your church or in your Sunday school class and somebody starts to push this book about how it's, uh, you know, spiritual mm. to stay out of the political realm. Yeah. Folks, when, when the church withdraws from the political realm, all it does is it gives opportunity for the forces of evil to take greater control. Absolutely right. Uh, Chuck Colson quotes in one of his books, Adolf Hitler speaking to Niemöller in Germany. Mm -hmm. 
who was a pastor who was concerned about the direction of things in Nazi Germany. And Hitler is quoted as saying, you pastors just focus on getting souls into heaven. Leave, leave the running of this world to me. Yeah. And, and that's what happens when we just sit out and we're apathetic, which is what this book is encouraging uh, us to do. And Christians should be involved in every single sphere of life. Uh, Amen, brother. Whenever you remove Christianity from any sphere of life, whether it's art, entertainment, uh, politics, what you're saying is salt, get back in the salt shaker. Mm -hmm. When God wants that salt and light out there as a preserving influence. Amen. So, Amen. you know, this book uh, is neutering the church and it's one mm. of its central miss missions. Uh, which mm. is to, you know, slow down the progress of evil. Yeah. And so I wanted to include that in an apostasy report uh, just to show how hard the left and the devil is working to neutralize the body of Christ in this area. Yes. I mean, obviously, our primary focus is the Great Commission. Yes. But, you know, Jesus didn't say that's all you do. I mean, if I'm going to do the Great Commission, I got to have the political and legal freedom to preach the gospel. That's so, true. So that means I need to be concerned about the laws of the land, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So where, where are we going mm -hmm. wrong on this, Brother No, Jim? you're not going wrong. <laughs> all, right, all right. Well, for the sake of time, that's our prophecy update for today. We dealt with Israel, uh, the Gog-Magog issue, uh, movement towards the surveillance society, uh, USA in decline as even the fundamentals of our culture are being scrutinized and even uh, books like this that are mm -hmm. uh, uh, moving us into apostasy. That's why I'm grateful I'm not, I'm not a part of a denomination. Yeah. But we are an independent Bible church. You know, if we were part of a denomination, this kind of stuff would be pushed on us regularly. That's true. From denominational headquarters and... You know, what typically happens in denominationalism is the center of power goes left mm -hmm. and it starts to have a negative effect on all the different churches. Yeah. And when you're outside of a denominational structure, you're you're protected from a lot of that. And so that's why you hear a lot of preaching and teaching here at Sugarland Bible Church rooted and grounded in truth that you don't hear in other circles. And it has to do with the fact that God and his providence has allowed us to be free and independent of man's opinions and Amen. has allowed us to pursue biblical Amen, truth. Brother. Yeah. So yeah. brother Jim, do you have any good news for us? <clears throat> well, I just love the, how we always end our program with Titus 13 and let's read that here. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and savior, Jesus, our Christ Jesus. So the world's growing gloriously dark. Mm -hmm. Dr. Reagan quoted that he from did. Adrian Rogers yeah. in his presentation uh, last Sunday, which I would encourage people to listen to. And anybody out there that's uncertain about their future and in turmoil about world events, that can be changed right now. Yes. As they yes. simply push, push their trust, which mm -hmm. is what believe means. Yeah. And that's also what the word repent means. People think that, repent mm -hmm. means penance, mm -hmm. and that's it sounds yeah. the same, but it's not what it means. It means mm -hmm. to change your mind. Yeah. That's literally what the Greek word means, the Bible being written in Koine Greek. As you place your trust for your future and the forgiveness of your sins into Jesus, your mind, as you're doing that, is automatically changing. Mm -hmm. And once you do that, you become born again. 
Yeah. And so we would encourage people to do that even now, Amen. you know, as we're speaking. Mm-hmm. And you need not be gripped with fear, you know, over the things that are now enveloping the earth, Amen. which God warned us about. Um, just by way of infomercials, I would encourage people to get our app. Go to the App Store, type in Andy Woods Ministries. And download our free app. Um, Pastor's Point of View is available in podcast format. Go to wherever it is you get your podcasts. Type in Andy Woods Ministries and this material will be available to you in podcast format. You mentioned the show notes. Go to our website, andywoodsministries.org on the homepage. There's an easy way to sign up for our show notes. Every time we post a Pastor's Point of View show, these notes and links will show up in your inbox. Um, although today is Friday and the conference has already started, I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, a lot of our friends Friday and Saturday at the upcoming, uh, Prophecy Watchers Prophecy Summit in Orlando, Florida. I think the conference is sold out, but the live streaming option is still available for people. And also we have the pastor's conference coming up through Chafer Theological Seminary. You see Dr. Randall Price is our keynote speaker, along with uh, Arnold Fruchtenbaum will be speaking. And that is going to take place uh, March 4th through the 6th at nearby West Houston Bible Church. So we would encourage people to either come or you know, watch via live stream or archive after the fact, for Mm -hmm. that matter, the Chafer Theological Seminary Prophecy Conference coming up. Speaking of Chafer Theological Seminary, if you're looking for theological education, go to chafer.edu where you can sign up for our online classes. And I also want to remind people of the Stealing the Mind Conference that's coming up March the 16th, 2024, an all-day Saturday conference. Um... There's room, I believe, where people can still come in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And there's also a live streaming option. I think awesome. I think the live streaming might actually be free for that particular conference. Oh, you can great. check with compass.org to get the information on that. The speakers that particular Saturday are going to be Russ Miller, who was just with us, David Reagan, who was just with us, Alex Newman, uh, Billy Crone, uh, Mike Lindell. And then, and then myself. So it'll be a great time of uh, edification. And we want to really thank everybody out there from the bottom of our heart, all of you that came and supported our prophecy conference yes. here at Sugarland Bible Church. What a great thing! You know, that's our third annual one. I think that's they've all been very good. But I, I just would have to say, maybe I'm a little biased, but. This is the best one we've ever had. Best one. And they seem to get better and better. Hands down. And the enthusiasm out there for our conferences in-house and online continues to, to grow. Um, jot down, oh, I don't have my calendar exactly in front of me, but roughly February 21st and 22nd of next year, 2025, as a potential date for that conference. We're even researching new potential venues to accommodate as many people that want to come. Well, so God that, bless us, yeah, you know. So that they can come. So we're going to keep doing these prophecy conferences, but we want to thank you for your your support 
in attendance and prayer and everything else. For and it was that. just great getting to see the people. Yeah, it was wonderful. Made some of them. It was wonderful. So with all that being said, Brother Jim, I think we've about out of time. Yes, sir. And so we're going to sign off for today. So we'll see you next time on Pastor's Point of View. Thank God you. bless. God bless.